Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. If you've ever struggled in prayer, if you've ever had frustration uh, in like not receiving answered prayer and things you've prayed about, things you've... You, you believe God was going to pull through on something and it's like it seems like there was a roadblock. It seems like there was like uh, clogging in the plumbing system in the pipeline. Today's going to be a day where we're going to almost act like a spiritual plumber to unclog the pipeline to see whatever things are hindering answered prayer in your life. There are mysteries in the kingdom of God. Jesus told his disciples um, and to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. There are mysteries in the kingdom of God. That's why I called this, this uh, broadcast Prayer of Secrets. Because there there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. The Bible says you can actually pray amiss. You can actually pray wrong. So it's not like most modern teaching, well, as, as long as you just pray, that's all that matters. No, that's not all that matters actually. Because there's a, there's a way to contact God effectively in prayer. I want you to understand this. That God is not moved by affliction. God does not respond to affliction. God responds to effective communication. And we can see that all throughout the Bible. And we can see that in modern, you know, in modern Christianity. There are people, and I'm sure you know it, even in your own church, that when they pray, when they take up that mic at the beginning of a church service or whatnot, they open up their mouth and it seems like there's an anointing that hits the place. And the burdens lifted. The, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah 10:27. That the anointing breaks the yoke and lifts up the heavy burden. And so you know that. I'm sure you've experienced it. If you've been a Christian for a year at least, uh, you've experienced it. When pe some people pray, there's a lifting of the burden. There's a, 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 a power that's produced as they open up their mouth. And then there's other people that take up a mic and they pray and it's a burden. It, you can't even wait for them to finish their prayer. Can't wait for them to close their mouth because there's like, there's, it's like dusty. There's nothing. It's dried up i want i want to show you keys from the word of god that's going to take you to another level in your prayer life where you're not going to pray dry dead dusty prayers prayers that uh, avail to nothing but prayers that produce many wonderful results i want to read from uh, matthew chapter 6 first before we move on and verse 5 like i said if you're just tuning in now i appreciate if you share the broadcast, help me get the word out to as many people as possible. I see we have 64 people on, which is very low for this time into the broadcast. So if you can pump this up, help me. You'll be a great, great help to me uh, and a help to others as they, they, they sit under this teaching today. That's going to drastically change and transform the way they pray, which when you transform the way you pray and you start to pray biblically, then you start to see biblical results to your prayers. And the Bible results to prayers are not small things. They're not things to scoff at when God answered prayer in the Bible every irreversible situation was reversed you see it when Jesus arrives at the tomb of Lazarus the Bible says he showed up and before he even called forth his name he 
He prayed a prayer. He said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. And I thank you that you always hear me. And then he called Lazarus forth. And a man who was dead came forth living, breathing, and moving. I tell you, whatever has died in your life, whatever dream that has died in your life, whatever mountain that seems to be immovable, whatever situation you're facing, obstacle that seems to be uh, non-removable, today, as you sit under this teaching, the the, the principles of God's word are going to drastically transform your heart to begin to pray Bible prayers, Bible uh, blueprint prayers that are going to give you Bible results. And every, every situation, every problem you're facing today, it is reversible by faith in prayer. And I want you to believe that today. We don't pray like other religions pray just for, you know, out of duty. We don't pray out of a sense of responsibility. We do not pray because somebody told us to pray we pray because the bible says if we will call unto him he will answer us and show us great and mighty things which we know not of the bible says that we are not praying to a dead idol that has eyes that are dead and ears that are just made of stone or rock or gold or any type of graven image made of material substance the bible says we have a god who has eyes to see we have a god who has ears to hear we have a God who has a hand that is not short that it cannot save we have a God who's not deaf we have a God who has feet to come to your rescue today and the way we provoke that divine intervention is through this thing called prayer prayer moves the hand that may, that moves the world prayer can move the hand that moves the world prayer provokes divine intervention that subsides that sets aside that um, arrests and neutralizes natural law to give way to miracles, signs, and wonders at will. And you're going to enter into that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Matthew 6 and verse 5. When you pray. So the Bible doesn't say if you pray. The Bible doesn't say uh, whenever you feel like praying. It says when you pray, you should pray. The first point I have to get through is that if you're going to have results in prayer, you need to pray. You need to set aside time uh, in your day, daily prayer with God will cons will um, confer into daily triumph in this world. When you set a time, set aside time to pray. Set aside time in your daily. I mean, we set aside time for everything. We set aside time to watch Netflix. We set aside time to eat. We, if eating uh, is important enough for you to stop whatever you're doing, so you can in so you can in ingest food, prayer is to the spirit what eating is to the body so if eating is important enough for you to set aside you know morning noon and night to have breakfast lunch and dinner then how much more important do you suppose it is to set aside time to pray to set aside time to have fellowship with your father to set aside time so that you can make requests you know the bible says we're not to be anxious for anything there's far too many christians that are anxious about everything when the bible says you're to be anxious for nothing the bible says we're to cast our cares onto God because he cares for us the way we cast our cares unto God is not by thinking about the problem it's not about meditating on the problem or pondering on the problem it's not about telling all your friends and getting into a, a some sort of psychological session or a therapeutical session with a psychologist or a counselor and just unloading and 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 venting about your problem that's not how you cast your cares on the
upon the Lord. The Bible says we cast our cares upon the Lord by prayer. The Bible even says that Jesus, as he was, he had a great concern that had hit his heart. He had a great anxiety as he was about to go into the cross, as he was about to fulfill his heavenly mandate on the earth. The Bible says he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he wasn't sitting around, uh, running around, worried about what, what was to happen in the coming days and hours. No, he was praying. The Bible says in being in agony, he prayed more fervently. So whenever you feel anxiety come on you, whenever you feel agony come on you, whenever you feel some sort of um, unsettled spirit in you, you begin to pray more fervently and when you do that the holy spirit is attracted to prayer people the holy spirit will begin to come on you and and comfort you and cover you and all of a sudden the thing you cared about the thing you were anxious about as you make requests to god you know the reason why we don't have to be anxious about it anymore after we make requests to god is because we're not praying to a god that is weak or dead or or or, or has his hands tied behind his back we serve a God who is able to do far more abundantly all that you can ask, all that you can think, and all that you can imagine according to his glorious power at work in us. The Bible says in Psalm 66 and verse 3, say unto God, how marvelous are your works. We're to say unto God, how marvelous are your works. How powerful is your right hand. The right hand of God is the hand that split the Red Sea. The right hand of God is the hand that when the Egyptians entailed to follow after the Israelites and bring them back into captivity. The same sea that opened for Israel closed up on the Egyptians and the Egyptians, the enemies of God that you saw, the Bible says, you will see them no more. That's what prayer does. Prayer gets God to arise. And when God arises, we know very clearly that all his enemies are scattered. I see every enemy of your destiny, every enemy of your life, every enemy of your future, every enemy of your your family, your body of your finances being scattered today as you begin to engage God fervently in prayer. James chapter 5 says that the prayer of a righteous man, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man brings forth many results. Elijah was a man of like nature. We don't, we can't look at this book called the Bible and see these figures and characters as some like uh, heroes that Ultimately, they're superhuman. They, they had something that we don't have. No, Elijah actually had things that we have and he didn't have. We have a new covenant. We have the blood of Jesus. We have boldness to enter into the holy place. Elijah couldn't enter into the holy place. Yet when he prayed, God answered his prayer. He closed up the heavens for three and a half years. And when he prayed again, the heavens opened up and the heavens gave rain. And, and, and there was a mighty revival in the land. If prayer under the old covenant through a man whom the Bible says was a man of like nature. He wasn't different. He didn't have a halo on his head. He didn't have a, he wasn't floating around mysteriously everywhere he went. He was a man of like nature. He had blood. He bruised when he got hit. He cut. His blood flowed when he got cut. And the Bible says when he prayed, God answered. If God was willing to answer under the old covenant, now we're under a new covenant based and established on better covenants. How much more do you suppose that the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ should uh, should prevail in our prayers. How much more do you suppose that we'll receive answered prayers under this new covenant? Not you know, not with the blood of goats and, and, and lambs and oxen, but by the blood of the spotless Lamb of God, we can approach God with boldness. When you pray, so you have to set aside time to pray. 
If you don't pray, the Bible says in James chapter 4, we have not because we ask not. So it's not uh, wondering how you're going to break free from this situation that's going to get you out of it. It's prayer. Prayer produces power that sets men free. And the Bible says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues. They only pray in public. And on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Thanks for joining me now. Uh, If you would take a second and just share the broadcast wherever you're at. And um, I'd appreciate if you did that. It would be a great help to me. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray. So another point there is that God is a rewarder for those who pray. I want you to write that in the comment section. God rewards those who pray. God rewards those who pray. That is a Bible concept. That is a Bible truth. The Bible says when you pray in secret, your father who sees and is in the secret place will himself reward you openly. That tells you that private devotion to prayer will produce public reward. Private devotion to prayer will produce a public reward. People, I mean, you can tell when somebody prays. They're always testifying of something great. They always have a new story of what God has done in their life. If you have to look back to 30 years ago to pinpoint the last miracle God did for you, there's something wrong. You have to set yourself to expect to receive great things from the hand of God if you're going to pray. You have to start um, setting yourself you have to start positioning yourself in a, in a position of expectation. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it's not just praying that produces, it's faith-filled prayers. It doesn't matter how long you pray. It doesn't matter how uh, passionate you are in prayer. It doesn't matter how the volume and the loudness of your prayer is. If your prayer is void of faith... It will produce nothing. It won't produce proofs. If your prayer is lacking faith, it will not produce proofs in your life. So it's not about how much you can shake your fist, how much sweat's coming down your brow. No, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when you come to God and believe that he is, the Bible says he that comes to God must believe. So he that comes to God must do one thing. He has to believe. The Bible says that faith can move mountains. The Bible says that it was through faith, Hebrews eleven thirty three, that they subdued kingdoms. You look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were standing before Nebuchadnezzar. And he asked him, is it true that you didn't bow when the, 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 the music was played to my golden image that I set up? And they said, our God, O King Nebuchadnezzar, it, it's easy for us to answer this to you. Our God whom we serve, he is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us. That's faith. And he said, even if he doesn't deliver us, that wasn't them saying, well, there's a chance that he won't. That was them just expressing love towards God. Our God's able and God, our God's going, he's going to deliver us. But 
We love God, and so we'll say this all the, all the more. Even if he doesn't deliver us, we'll never bow to that golden image. He got angry and furious and cast them in and commanded that the furnace be turned up seven times hotter. But do you understand what happened? when they? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Bible says at the beginning of the book of Daniel, they didn't defile themselves with the things of this world. They were given and consecrated to God in prayer. They did not defile themselves with meat that had been given up to idols, they kept pure in a land of, of spiritual ad adultery. And the Bible says, when they were given to prayer, even the, the fiery furnace could not kill them. Even the fiery furnace could not burn them. The scripture says, they, the only thing that burnt was the people that threw them in and the cords that held them down. But as for those three boys, they began to walk around that furnace with their hands lifted up. And a fourth man came to join them in there. Jesus Christ, the incarnate Christ, the, the pre-incarnate Christ came to join them. And the Bible says they, they were delivered from that fiery furnace, not even smelling like smoke. I tell you prayer when you institute this thing called prayer in your life you'll go you might go through things in life you might have challenges i'm not saying prayer is gonna uh, uh cause you to avoid all challenges you're there are things that are gonna come to you the bible says in this world there's trial and tribulation but the good news is is you don't have to fall you don't have to be broken after those trials hit you you don't have to be bruised up and contorted and distorted you can prevail through the power of prayer Isaiah 43, the Bible says in verses 1 through 3, that I am God who formed you, O Jacob. I am he who called you, O Israel. I have called you by my name. I have redeemed you. And therefore, when you walk through the waters, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the rivers, they're not going to drown you out. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt, nor shall you smell like smoke. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you pray, Go to your father who's in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will re himself reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many, their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ever even ask him. So in this manner, you should pray, our father in heaven. So unless God's your father, you, you're not even legally allowed to enter in to prayer and communication with God. So if you're watching today and you're not saved, you're, you're not right with God. There's sin that's separating you before God. You, you, you're not, you don't have absolute certainty in your spirit that if Jesus Christ were to return today, that you'd make heaven. Well, today's the day to make that, to make that decision, to make that choice. Choose life that you and your descendants will live. Don't push this decision off to another time. The Bible says, he that has the son has life. The Bible says, if you are weary and heavy laden, you should come to me, Jesus said, and I'll give you rest. Our Father in heaven. God doesn't answer every prayer. God answers the prayers of those who call to him as our Father. And the good news is, is when you get saved, God's not your taskmaster. God's not your 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 your. Uh, some wicked tyrant in heaven. God's not some just God 
some um, far and distant higher power that sits above the circle of the earth and just does things randomly and sovereign. No, the Bible says you were once not the people of God. You once had not received mercy, but now you are the people of God and now you have received mercy so that you are God's royal priesthood. You are his chosen people and you have been called forth out of this world and into the family of God. What a great and magnificent truth that God has uh, laid out in his scriptures for us who believe. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who, who are in debt to us. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. In Mark eleven twenty four, the Bible says, Therefore, what things you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you shall have them. And then it moves on in 25 to say, But if you, if, um, you hold back forgiveness towards anyone, God's not going to hear you. So before I move on to anything, we have to lay like a, a foundation. You, if you're harboring any type of offense in your heart, if you're harboring any type of, of hatred for another, for what they've done to you in the past, if you're unforgiving, unmerciful, and unloving, you are not entitled to answer prayer. God will not answer your prayer. If you have any type of of uh, bitterness towards another person. You have disqualified yourself from receiving answers to your prayer. So before we move on to anything else, I want you to settle in your... Now, you don't have to call your friend right now and say, listen, I had these feelings towards you. First of all, if they're not even aware of the feelings you, they had that you had towards them, you don't even have to bring it up. Just forgive them in your heart and ask God to forgive you for those feelings and then move on. But I want you at the beginning of this broadcast to just ask the Lord, Lord, I felt this way towards this person and that person, and I've never released them in my spirit. Today, by faith, I'm releasing them from those those. Uh, feelings of bitterness and feelings of hatred and that anger that I've been harboring in my spirit, I release it and I thank you that by your grace, by faith I'm doing this and by your grace you'll empower me to actually live in forgiveness towards these people. Not only to forgive and talk about and bring up every offense every time uh, someone brings up their name from this moment onward, but to forgive and forget. To like you did to me as you blotted out my sins never to be remembered again, I'm blotting out their sins never to be remembered again. So, so, so I want you to do that right now. Now, moving on. I want to go through prayer secrets. And I've written down seven prayer secrets that if you'll begin to do in your own personal prayer life, you'll never, you'll never suffer frustration and stagnation in your prayer life. You will have a fruitful prayer life. You know, the Bible says that by this, my Father is glorified when you bring forth much fruit. God is glorified when you bring forth fruit in prayer, God is glorified when you produce power in prayer. God is glorified through answered prayer. God is not glorified uh, through people's complaining about situations. God is glorified when people pray through situations and he provides a way of escape and now your testimony is used as a tool to bring God glory everywhere you go. So number one, number one, you have to understand that God is a helper. God is a helper. God is not the source of your affliction. 
You got to leave that thought behind before you can move on into answered prayer. God is the source of your help. He does not break you down so he can build you up contrary to what Western Christianity teaches. God is a builder. God is a sustainer. The Bible says, do not fear for I am your God and don't be discouraged for I am your helper. I will help you. I will sustain you and I'll lift you up with my right hand of righteousness. David said in Psalm 3, Lord, many are my adversaries and many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. There's many, you might be part of a family or maybe you have friends that mock you for your relationship with God. They mock you because you claim to love God, but there's this problem and that problem. And you, you have problems in your body, problems in your, with your children, and they mock you and say there's no help for you in God. What's all that service to God doing for you? Just quit. Just curse God. Like Job's wife said, just curse God and die. But the Bible says David had a different attitude towards that. Many are they that say of me there is no help for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, he saw God through the lens of scripture. You, O oh Lord, are my helper. You, O oh God, are my crown and you are my glory. I want you to turn to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. By the way, at the end of this broadcast, I'm doing a giveaway. I have not forgotten. I'm doing a giveaway and we're going to do uh, four questions. Trivia questions on the Bible, and then um, whoever answers will receive a, a gift card for Amazon. I'll send it to you via email, and you can spend it whenever you want. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks for the, to the Lord, for he is good. He's a good God. The devil's a bad devil. The Bible says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The, the, he's like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. And the Bible says if he can convince you that he is a roaring lion, he can devour you. But there's people that the devil can't devour. There's people that the devil can't even touch. He, there's people that have a, 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 a warning sign on them that hell recognizes that. And they say, don't go near them. Don't go past them. Don't go through them. Avoid them at all costs. Because every time we stretch our hand against those people, our hand gets chopped off and they end up going higher. So let's just leave them alone. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Listen to this, verse five. I called on the Lord in distress and the Lord answered me. And he set me in a broad place. Notice how it doesn't say, and the Lord ignored me, or the Lord rebuked me for my, my request in prayer. Listen to this. I want you to get this in your spirit. God's invitation for us to pray is a clear indication that he's eager to answer your prayer, that he wants to help you. He wants to help you. I think people can, can uh, say that with their mouths, but not many people believe that in their heart. And Jesus said, these people draw near with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Get your heart on board with your confession. I'm not just going to talk about God's my helper. I believe God is my helper. Psalm 46.1, he is a very present help in time of trouble. He doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. He said, lo, I'm with you always. And God's presence means God's help. God doesn't just come alongside you or live in you so that he can just watch you get beat around and slapped around by the devil. God's presence is God's help. 
That's why Psalm 114 says, when Israel, when um when Israel, when Judah became God's sanctuary, when God began to lead Israel out by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, the Bible says when that happened, the sea saw him and it fled, meaning their problems fled. Their problems were solved. The Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The impossible situations in life, they were, they were resolved. God's presence means God's help. It signifies God's help. What trembled? You, O earth, or what aileth you, O mountains, that you skip like rams? Tremble thou, O earth, at the presence of the God of Jacob. When God is with you, God helps you. When God is with you, the Bible says there's nothing that you're going through. There's no weapon that can be formed against you that can prevail against you. And God desires to help you. So drop that religious perspective of who God is that he somehow has some weird mysterious plan for you to take you up to the mountain and drop you low to the valley then bring you through the thorned areas of life no the bible says the highway of the upright or the the way of the upright is like a highway but the thorns and thistles covers the path of sinners the bible says that the way of a sinner is hard so if you're disconnected from God that's when things are hard when you're cut off from the covenant of God when you're living in sin that's when things are difficult that's when things seem impossible that's when there's no help for you in God but when you've connected to God abide in me God said and I will abide in you hallelujah and if God abides in me then I know I can't fail then I know I'll never I'll never I'll never be in a regressive state. I know I'll never be moved back. If God abides in me, then what can come against me and wipe me out? The Bible says very clearly that the Lord is our helper and the Lord is on your side. So stop thinking that he's somehow the antagonist in the story. That the devil and God are in a back room somewhere planning your your tragedy. We're going to give him a car accident. The devil sneers and says, ha ha, I like that one, God. Like people, ha- I, you might be laughing, but there are people who actually think that way. They don't believe God wants to help them. They believe God's actually steering up the problems of life. No, there's two sources to life's problems. One, your own stupid mistakes, which if you've made a mistake, repent and God will help you. I cried out the Lord in my distress and he answered me and he helped me and he set me in a broad place. And then to the devil. And the believer is in the New Testament anointed through prayer to overcome both of those obstacles, both of those, those problems, both of the, the sources of those problems. If I've made a mistake, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from whatever problems that came up as a result of it. And then the two, the Bible says that greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the world. So stop making excuses for your problems. Start to engage God in prayer. And when you do that, prayer will change things for you. How do we know prayer changes things? How do we know God's a helper? Acts chapter 12. Let me, let me finish Psalm 118 first. First. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. So when you're not convinced God's going to help you, what happens? Fear plagues your heart. Fear begins to act like a, a venomous poison running through your body. And then fear has a physiological effect. You start to feel heavy. You fart. You start. You fart. You start to feel uh, uh, strange in your body. A lot of people who think they're having heart attacks are actually just 
possessed by a spirit of fear, oppressed and burdened down by a spirit of fear. And the Bible says when you understand that God's your helper, you will not fear. When you understand that he can't fear, fail, you're not going to be afraid. The Bible says in, in Philippians 1.28 that we are in, in no way to be terrified of our adversaries. This is Paul talking to New Testament believers. You should in no way be terrified of your adversaries. Fear should be foreign to the believer. Because the Bible says in Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, Perfect love casts out all fear. So when you understand God is that perfect love, and that perfect love doesn't involve torment, God's not trying to torment you, He's trying to help you. Then when you understand that, it casts out the fear. Because the devil wants nothing more than to convince you that God is on the other side of that problem. Because if God's on the other side of that problem, what court do you plan on taking him to? If God's on the other side of that problem, what? who do you plan on asking for help to subdue that problem? If God's on the other side of that problem, why are you even going to have faith to approach him to take it out? What are you going to do? You're going to go and resort to those prayers. Lord, let, just give me help to endure it. God doesn't want, the anointing wasn't sent for you to endure. The anointing was sent for you to break free and enjoy life. It's like this religion that needs to be beat out of Christianity. Where it comes from that Jewish, the, the Jewish law and the Jewish system that the Pharisees had. The Bible says Jesus rebuked them for he said, you lay on people burdens too hard to bear. And you yourselves can't even bear them. You don't even try to lift them up with a finger. And whenever you go and make a convert to your religion, you make them twice as much the child of hell, of hell than you are. Religion brings oppression. Jesus brings freedom. Jesus brings help. Jesus brings uh, relief from affliction. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. John Osteen used to say, uh, people don't come to church to, to add a burden, they come to empty themselves of burdens. People don't come to church to add up and pile up burdens, they come to church to receive relief from life's burdens. And that's what Jesus did. Come to me all that are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. It's easy. Take my burden. It's light. But you'll never partake of that easy yoke and that light burden unless you're given to prayer. And you won't give yourself to prayer unless you understand that God is a helper. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. Therefore, he will help me and I'll see my desire upon those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in prison, in princes. Acts chapter 12. Listen to this. This is an awesome illustration of God's willingness to help. Now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer. I want you to say that wherever you're at. Constant prayer. 
prayer that does not give up. Persevering prayer. There was a widow in Luke 18. Jesus said men are always to pray and never to lose heart, never to get discouraged, never to give up and quit. If you've been praying and you've been praying well and you haven't seen an answer to prayer, the Bible says you're to have constant prayer, persevering prayer, prayer that doesn't quit. The only person the devil will successfully disarm and wipe out is the one that quits. The devil doesn't have the ability to crush a Christian that will not quit. The devil doesn't have the ability to defeat a believer that will not quit, that refuses to quit. Keep on praying. Because that widow, the Bible says, came before an unjust judge who did not care about people and he did not fear God. But she prayed and the unjust judge, the just who had no care for men, the just who did not care to help people. The Bible says, he said to himself, I'm going to give this widow justice from her adversary lest she wearies me out from her continual coming to me. And Jesus moves on to say, now hear what the unjust judge just said. And shall not the God of all the earth, the God who is love, the God who is good, the God whose goodness endures continually, the God who said, I open up my hand wide and satisfy the desires of every living thing, the God who said, I will never leave you, the God who said, I will be by your side as a dreaded champion to defeat those that come against you. Shall not that God avenge his own elect who cry to him day and night and will he bear long over them i tell you the truth luke 18 i tell you the truth he will answer them speedily speedily even david said lord hasten to answer me in my prayer you know you can talk like that you don't have to pray prayers of lord in your time we just I mean, show me one New Testament character that came to Jesus and said, Lord, I know I'm blind, but in your time, I'm believing God. No, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And they quieted them down saying, don't, don't trouble the teacher. And they cried out all the more, Jesus, thou son of David, the Messiah, the one who's to come into the world, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood in his tracks and looked behind and said, bring them to me. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, that we might receive our sight and immediately hasten to answer me. You can ask God, Lord, speed up that prayer, that, that answer to prayer. Lord, this is something that's causing my heart to be weighed down. I pray, oh God, answer me speedily. Let there be quick, expedited prayer. Father, I pray, I'm asking you for, for just like you can check on the FedEx box. I want expedited and um, speedy delivery. You can ask God for expedited delivery to your, your prayer request, and he'll do it. He'll honor it. He'll honor it. Because the Bible says that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the things you expect. So as you release your faith for a quick, uh, an expectation for a quick answer to your prayer, God's going to honor it. God will honor it, just like he honored it for those two blind men. You, you look at um, the woman with the issue of blood. She pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. She put a demand. She didn't say, I'm going to touch the hem of his garment and then hopefully things will clear up in the near future. No, I know when I touch, I'll be made well. So I know when I pray, Mark eleven twenty four. whatever things you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. Not believe that you will receive it. Not believe that one day you'll have it. Believe that in that moment that you pray, you have received it and God will give it to you. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping. 
bound with two chains. Now I want you to notice, when James was taken captive, there was no prayer, no record of the church praying. And what happened? James got slaughtered. James got beheaded. When Peter was taken captive, the church changed their tune and they said, man, we just left things to God. We just said, Lord, whatever you want with James, you know, let it be done. And James got beheaded. Because God will do nothing on the earth except in response to prayer. God has, in his sovereignty, confined himself to the petitions of men. That's why he said, that's why he said in the book of, uh, of Chronicles, those whose are loyal to me, I will show myself strong on their behalf. That's why uh, when Abraham saw that God was going to destroy Sodom, he made requests. If there's just 50, if there's just 30, if there's just 20, if there's just 10. So Abraham had, underst an, under had an understanding that I can actually change the direction of a, of a, of a full city of Sodom was destined for destruction and ended up being destroyed because there wasn't 10 righteous people. There was only one righteous person, that was Lot. And God, even at that, spared Lot because of Abraham's prayers. So you can see when people don't pray, it's almost like uh, when people don't pray, coincidence don't, coincidences don't happen. When people do pray, coincidences start happening. When the early church didn't pray, James got beheaded. When the early church started to feel the responsibility and the burden, man, if we do the same thing we did with James, Peter's going to die too, and we'll have no one to lead us. So let's get to praying. So if you just leave that problem you're facing today to just, well, God will sort it out. No, he won't. He won't. He'll sort it out when you begin to pray effectively and fervently. Hannah was barren, and there's no record of her ever praying. Then one day she said, you know what, let me start praying about it. She bowed before the temple of God and began to pray. And Eli saw a passion flowing through her. He actually thought she was drunk. And he says, put wine away from you. It's like 9 a.m. And Hannah said, I'm not drunk. I'm pouring out my soul before the Lord. And Eli said, it'll be done to you as you've believed. This time next year, you'll hold a child. And that time next year, she presented Samuel at Shiloh for dedication. So if you just say, well, if the Lord wants it, he'll do it. Just leaving it up to him. God will do nothing on the earth except in response to prayer. So that's why we pray. If God was just going to do everything he wanted to do and prayer doesn't change anything, why would he ask you to pray? Why would he say in Luke 11, pray, ask, and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. If God had some like uh, some way in heaven that no matter what you ask for, ultimately, he'll give you what he thinks you need. What, what kind of religious garbage is that? Obviously, we're not going out and praying for things that are sin. We're not going out and praying that some other man's wife is going to become our wife or some other woman's husband is going to become your husband. You know, we're not praying. I'm, I'm assuming and I'm, uh, you know, I'm making this broadcast with the assumption that I'm talking to people who, uh, who have an IQ higher than the temperature in the room they're in. I'm talking about praying according to the will of God. 1 John 5, 14. Whatever things we ask of, if it be according to his word, his will. His will is not some mysterious thing in the heaven that we have to scratch our heads and strive to obtain. No, his will is in black, white, and in red. 
As you study this book of the law, you start to have a revelation of God, of what God is eager to do for you. And when you do that, you don't have to sit back and say, Lord, I see what your promises are. Whatever you want to do. No, Lord, as a good lawyer goes before a judge and says, this is what your, the law states. So I'm asking you to rule in favor of my case. Even so, we can approach God as a judge, as a good judge, judge and say, Lord, this is what your law states concerning my situation. You didn't say I have to stay sick. You didn't say, I, your word says that if we'll serve you, you'll bless our bread and our water and take sickness out of the midst of us. You didn't say we have to stay sick. You, don't, you didn't say, not, nowhere in your Bible does it say, it's your will for, for me to be confined to a hospital bed. Therefore, I come boldly with your word in hand. You know, a good lawyer doesn't come before a judge and start crying and beating its chest and saying, Lord, oh judge, you know my heart, you know my client." is innocent no a good lawyer produces evidence the word of God is the evidence that we can bring before God and say God I'm bringing you into remembrance of what you've already said I can have and when you do that God is faithful and he the Bible says he watches over his word to perform it he doesn't watch over his word to to, to just cross his arms and say man I really shouldn't have promised them that now I have to do it no what God has written in his word he's eager to to perform eager to do eager to confirm in your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ drop the religious that religious tone of voice when you pray oh father if it be thy will you don't have to pray if it be thy will the only time you have to pray if it be thy will is in the prayer of consecration lord i'm consecrating my life to you to do x y and z and lord if you want me to go to whatever region, to plant a church, if it be thy will, not mine will, but thine will be done. But there's different, there are different uh, categories of prayer. Not every prayer is the prayer of consecration. There's the prayer of request. There's the prayer of petition. That's what I'm talking about large in part today is the prayer of request. You don't have to pray, Lord, if it be thy will. You can, you can know his will. He moved upon 40 plus different authors. To write this wonderful book that's not open to private interpretation. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And when you start to study this book, what ends up happening? Faith comes. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So now your prayers are not just tears and, and words. Your prayers are backed by the foundation of faith in your heart. So that when you speak, when you speak, there's power in your prayer. Like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, there's people that pray and you can know their prayers aren't even, they're not even hitting the first row in the church, let alone God's ears. But then there's other people that get up to pray and all of a sudden there's an invasion of the power of God into the sanctuary. And all of a sudden people that came in depressed, oh, <laughs> they're not depressed anymore. They start to rejoice without even them praying about depression. Just the power that's produced and the anointing that enters in is ushered in through prayer. Because there's faith attached to it. If there's no faith attached to your prayer, it is void of power, useless, futile, and not even worth talking. It's empty words. That's why Jesus said, don't think that your prayers are going to be heard through much talk, through idle talk. The Bible says every idle word will be judged. Some people are praying idle prayers backed by idle words. Start to study this book of the law. Read it. Search it. All of these promises God has said, I will do for you. 
And he's not a man that he should lie. He's not a, the son of man that he should change his mind. What he said he'll do, he'll do. He's not some schizophrenic higher power like Allah is in Islam, that one day Allah is good, the next day Allah is not good. God is good, and God is always good. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What he was willing to do then, he's willing to do today. And what he's willing to do today, he's going to be willing to do it tomorrow because the Lord God is the ever everlasting God he neither wearies nor faints and he said I'll give power to them that lack might and strength that are weak hallelujah hallelujah number one understand that God is a helper you look at Peter what ends what ends up happening in Peter's life an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison he struck Peter on the side and raised him up and said arise quickly and his chains fell off his hands the angel said to him gird yourself and tie on your sandals and he did, and he put on his garment and followed him. And he went out, followed him, and did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. So obviously it wasn't Peter's faith that broke him out of that prison. It was the church's faith. Because Peter didn't even think it was real. He thought he was just seeing a vision. He thought he was dreaming. He thought he had, you know, maybe they gave him bad water. And it was messing up with his mind. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed. And Peter had come to himself then. And he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Satan has a plan for your life. And prayer is what, is what puts a, an... A, a restraining order over everything that he desires to do in your life. Do you know what prayer from the church did for Peter? He was going to follow the same path that James had. Get beheaded in the morning. But the Bible says that through prayer, there was a restraining order and the expectation of all the Jewish people and the hand of Herod was stayed. People might be expecting you to fail. As you've gone out for, you know, and you've done things for God, You've moved out in faith to do something great for God. If you don't fuel that by prayer, you will fail. But if you'll fuel that work with prayer, daily prayer, you, the expectation of everyone around you that is expecting you to fail, negative expectations, expectation for you to, to collapse. People even in your own family that don't even want good things for you. They don't have a good will for you. Hoping for you to, 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 to fall so they can say I told you so told you you shouldn't have done told you you shouldn't have been tithing all this time told you you know waiting for you to collapse I tell you in the name of Jesus as you engage God God will send angels to encamp around you that will frustrate the plans of the enemy and guarantee and ensure that you make it to the other side in the name of Jesus Christ Number two, never let the devil or religious thoughts guilt you for having desires. That's another thing that stops people in prayer. They feel guilty for asking God for something. Well, I don't know if I should ask God for this. Did he say it? If he did, then don't feel guilty about asking God for it. Because if you feel guilty, you're not going to pray in faith. If you feel guilty or if you have condemnation in your heart, feeling condemned for, for asking for healing or feeling condemned... Uh, because you're asking for, for uh, wisdom on this particular situation in your life. The Bible says in James chapter 1. That if any man lacks wisdom, wisdom, let him ask of God. 
who gives generously and will not rebuke you for asking. God, if he promised you something and you're asking for that thing, God's not going to rebuke you for asking. The Bible says God is a son in a glory. He gives glory and grace and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. If you're walking uprightly, if you have a pure heart and clean hands by the blood of Jesus, you can ascend the hill. And we're not just ascending the hill. There's a time to fellowship with the Father and the, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there is a type of prayer that does that. But I'm not talking about that type of prayer today. I'm talking about prayer that changes things. Or prayer that avails much. Prayers that ascend heaven that change things in, on earth. When we ascend the hill, it's not just so we can be in God's presence. When you're in God's presence, you know, you go before, in the old times, you go before a king without anything to say. I just wanted to be before you and stuff. Just wanted, to, just wanted to soak in your presence. There's nothing wrong with soaking in God's presence. I do it. And there's nothing wrong with just being saturated with the anointing. Where it like, it, it just makes you drunk almost. There, I do it all the time. I do it daily. I make time. There's a time for, for fellowship with the Father and stuff. But you should go with a plan of action. I'm not coming in with... No, just with wishful thinking. I'm coming in with a request today. I have a desire. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the desires of your heart. How many of you know God will not give you what you want, only what you need? No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he'll give you what you want. It, obviously, if it's in line with his word. So don't feel guilty. The Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. The Bible says that if you have my commandments and keep them, you're the one God loves, and I will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. That shows you, if you keep 1 John 3.22, and we know that we receive anything we ask from him because we love him and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. If you live a life well-pleasing to God, look, if Job, under an old, old covenant, had the testimony with God that he pleased God, God even said to the devil, this is a man who does my will, who eschews evil, and who shuns evil and, does, and, and walks in my ways. If a man who didn't have the blood of Jesus to wash away his sins, he was still dead in sin, had that testimony with God, how much more do you suppose we can please God? And if we please God, the Bible says we can receive what we ask of Him. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. This is a powerful scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 18 and 19 and 20. Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. So the good of all his labor is something God gives him and it's God's heritage for his life. Verse 19, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, God has given what? Riches and wealth and given him power, health and strength to eat of it, to enjoy it. To, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For we will, he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. I'm going to read verse 19 again. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power, strength, energy 
So what good is having, you know, nice things in life if you have no health, you're tied to a hospital bed or you, you have to, you know, get dialysis every single week or twice a week. You're not going to enjoy it. The Bible doesn't just say God gives good things. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 103, he satisfies our mouth with good things. So God's not only eager to satisfy the, the holy, righteous desires of your heart, but he wants to give you strength and health and energy to eat of it, to enjoy it. So drop the religious mindset that we're just wretched, depraved people, deprived people, and we should just be glad that we'll make heaven one day, but outside of that, don't expect anything from the hand of God other than what he wants to give. No, God, it's not wrong to have desires for things in life, as long as they're good desires. Jesus never rebuked anybody's desire for good things he, that he had promised in his word. He always delivered. He always delivered. Look at Solomon. Solomon, in 1 Kings 3, offers up a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. The Lord appears to him that very night and says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you desire? What further proof do you need that God wants to give you the desires of your heart? Solomon loved the Lord, offered up an offering to him. God appeared to him and said, what do you desire? And then Solomon said, I want wisdom to lead your people. And God was pleased with what he had asked for. And he said, not only am I going to give you that, hallelujah, we don't serve the God of just enough. We don't serve the God that meets needs. We serve the God of overflow. I'm not only going to meet that need. I'm not only going to give you wisdom so that you know how to uh, lead my people. I'm going to give you things you didn't even ask for. I'm going to give you long life. I'm going to give you the heads of your enemies. I'm going to give you wealth such as no other king has ever known and will ever know. Hallelujah. So don't feel guilty. Jesus said, if your son asks for a piece of bread, will you give him a stone? Meaning if, you, if a son, if someone comes to you and asks you for something that's useful to, to them, are you going to give him a stone, something? You can't eat a stone. What good is a stone? If he comes and asks you for a, a fish, are you going to give him a serpent? Something that will harm him? Something that will hurt him? Even so, you evil parents know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall the Father give good things to those that ask? If you're feeling pressured by life and burdened down, don't feel guilty for asking God for you, for, to be alleviated of that, of that pressure. In His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand, pleasures, not pressures. Pleasures forevermore. If you... if, if um, you desire a better job? You're not happy with the job you have now? Why are you going to just strive through life miserable? Well, you know, I hate my job, but, you know, I'll take what I can get. You are a child of God. You don't take what you can get. You take what belongs to you by faith. And God can move things so that you don't just get a job. Any job, but the job of your dreams, the job you desire, the job you delight going into work for, with the boss you like, with the people you like around you. Not with people that are going to criticize you all day because you're the Christian in the No, God, God can make a way into a land of delight. Number three, you need to approach. So number two is never let the devil or religion guilt you in asking for the desires of your heart. Number three, you need to approach God with an understanding of your restored righteousness. This is important. This is extremely important. Luke chapter 15. 
Luke chapter 15. I don't know if I'll get through everything today. Maybe I'll continue on on Thursday. But approach God with an understanding of your restored righteousness in Christ. Luke 15, 11. And he said, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That's what we did. We all fell short of the glory of God. We all were cut off. We all had turned aside. We had all done abominable deeds. We all, uh, the Bible says there was none who does good. No, not one. Scripture says we were all children of wrath and destined for destruction. And when he had spent all that he had, there arose a severe famine in that land. And he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said... How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to my father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against, against, uh, in, your, in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat it and be merry. For this my son was dead. But he's now alive again. He was a lost, but now he's found. And they began to be merry and happy and rejoice. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came near and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked them what these things meant. He, the servant said to him, your brother has come home. And because he's your father has received him safe and sound, he killed the fatted calf. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out to plead with him. And he answered and said to him, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. The other son saying this to the father. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a goat that I might make merry with my friends. As soon as this, your son of, of, this son of yours comes, who devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed... Uh, devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you've always been with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is now found. This is a story that illustrates that though we had sin, though we had fallen short of the glory of God, though we, like Paul said, what wretched men we were, Deprived of all goodness, deprived of God, cut off, hostile, at enmity with God, the scripture says. God laid the iniquity of us all on Jesus Christ. This son, the prodigal son, came back hoping to be made like one of the hired servants. At least let me just be a slave in your, in your, in your kingdom. At least let me just till the ground of your kingdom. At least let me just be... The, the doorkeeper of your kingdom. But the reaction of the father shows you how God deals with those that come to him in repentance and in faith. 
God didn't say, yeah, you're right, you know, you should be, you should be happy that I'll make you just a slave. You know, go, I have this list and task of things that you have to do. Go out and get that done, you pitiable thing, you wretched being. No, the Bible says while he was yet afar off, God, the Father is a picture of God, ran to him. You don't see royalty running ever. Royalty marches in calmness and in, uh, in, in a majestic pace. But this shows you God ran to him. That's the only time in the entire Bible that God is pictured as running. He ran to him and he wrapped his arms around him. And he said, this my son was dead, but now he's alive. He was blind, but now he sees. Lord, just make me as one of your hired servants. No, no, no. God didn't redeem us as servants. God didn't redeem us as slaves. God didn't redeem us as some pawn in his system. God didn't redeem us as some uh, not good enough pieces of work. God redeemed us as sons and as daughters. As many as received Jesus Christ, to them gave he power to become children of God. I'm not a sinner. I have been saved by grace. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And now I can come before God without any sense of inferiority, no guilt, no uh, tie to my past, no condemnation. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. The old this passed away there's now no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus and remember what did the father do he said go and get a clean robe and put it on him that robe signifies our newfound righteousness in Christ we are clothed with Christ when the father sees me he sees Jesus when the father sees you he sees Jesus he doesn't see us guilty stained sinner that's been trodden down by the by the 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 the, the hammer of sin. He sees Jesus Christ. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says, we have put off the old man, which grows deceitfully corrupt by the flesh. We've been renewed in the spirit of our mind, and we put on the new man, which is created. According to God, I'm clothed with God. I'm clothed with God. I'm clothed with Christ's righteousness. The Bible says in Zechariah 3, Joshua the high priest was standing before God. And Satan, the accuser of the brethren, was accusing him day and night because he had dirty garments on. And God shut the mouth of the devil up and he said, this is my brand that has been plucked from the fire. We are the brand that has been plucked from the fire of hell. We were all destined for hell. Hell was not created for us, but when man sinned, we, had, we were on a one-way road to hell. And there was no way out. In, in, in our humanity, there was no work, there was no deed, there was no effort, there was no money that can redeem our soul at any time. There was no amount of money, there was no uh, work that we could have done to reestablish that connectivity with God. But what we could not do in our flesh, God did by sending His only begotten Son to condemn sin in the flesh so we can receive redemption by His blood and the forgiveness of sins. And when God told uh, Satan to hush his mouth. He then commanded an angel to take off the dirty turban off Joshua the high priest's head and take off the dirty garments off his body. And he said, go and get a clean robe. Go and get a clean white turban and put it on him. For this is my son that was lost, but now is found. We were by nature children of wrath. We were immoral. We were, some of us, uh, 
we're drunkards. Some of us, we're party goers. Some of us, we're drug abusers. Some of us, we're alcoholics. Some of us, we're sexually immoral. Some of us, we're God haters. Some of us, we're atheists. Some of us, we're traitors. Some of us had no desire to please God, only to please the flesh. But the Bible says, such were some of you. Such were some of you. That means I'm no longer those things. We were cleansed, we were sanctified, you were glorified and justified by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, Therefore, having boldness by the blood of Jesus Christ, our righteousness is not our own. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. People ask me, well, you know, you preached like, such victory in life. You preach that God always has a path forward, that the path of the just shines brighter and brighter even unto that perfect day. But look at what Job went through. You know, Job had some pretty horrible dealings in life. You know, God took off the hedge of protection that was around Job. Job's hedge of protection, which guarded his family, guarded his health, guarded his, his finances, was based on his own righteousness. Christ hadn't come yet. Our righteousness and our hedge of protection is established and based because of the blood of the spotless Lamb of God that was shed for you and I. That's why it can't be removed. Satan can't uh, negotiate the removal of that hedge anymore. That hedge is in place. It's sealed. It's established. And it is founded on the blood of Jesus Christ. And as such, it'll never be removed. God's not taking it up one day and putting it back another day. No, it stays in place. And the Bible says, having boldness by the blood of Jesus to enter into the holiest of places by a new and living way. What's that new and living way? Jesus said, I am the way. So when we enter into prayer, we have restored righteousness because we're entering in by this new and living way by Christ Jesus. So the scripture says, therefore, we should draw near with a true assurance of faith because we've been cleansed by the blood and we've been washed by the water of the word. That's why the Bible says, let us, let me read it. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. I hope this is helping you today because this, this will change the way you address God. You're not going to address him as Lord. I know you're just tolerating me here now because I'm just some sinner, dirty, horrible person. But I'm just asking if you could just pull through with, for me on this. Did God receive, did the father receive the prodigal son back as a slave? No, he was brought back in as a son. Would you approach, if you're a daughter or a son, would you approach your dad? If you have a good father, which by the way, in contrast to God, it doesn't matter how good your father is. If God is way greater and God is way better, would you approach your own father if you had need of something? Maybe you were, I don't know, down on money and you needed rent money or something and, and he, had, he had resources to help you. Would you approach him? Uh, Dad, you know, I, I know you, you can't even stand me being here right now. That's how some people are in prayer. They think God can't stand their presence. I, I'm just going to hurry through these requests real quick. No way. Hebrews 4, listen to this. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. The Bible says um, in, in the book of Hebrews, a compassionate high priest. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, 
He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Why do you think God wants to help you? Because when Christ took on flesh, he suffered the same things you suffered. He went through what humans went through. He had to suffer loss. When, you know, when Joseph passed away, which it's assumed that Joseph passed away before Christ's crucifixion, because he wasn't even at the cross. It was just Mary. And then it's not assumed, it's fact. Jesus told John, to, uh, looking at Mary, he said, Son, behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. So Jesus experienced life. He went through sorrow. The Bible says he was acquainted with sorrow and grief. But that's why he's able to come to our aid. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, verse 16, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Number three, you need to approach God with a, the, the reality of your restored righteousness. Condemnation is the greatest cause of unanswered prayer. Self-condemnation. When that woman was caught in the act of adultery, was brought before Jesus, Jesus didn't say, um, you know, let him that is without sin pick up the first stone and stone her. And then everybody left, and he was the only one there without sin. And he said, well, sorry, I have to do this. He picked up the stone and stone. No, he said, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven if you've repented in faith and turned to God. Number four, and I'm going to finish with this. You need to approach God with praise and you need to finish off your prayer with praise. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Praise is the greatest demonstration of faith. Because it shows God that you're rejoicing over the answer to your prayer before you, even, you ever even ask Him to do what you're asking Him to do. Enter His gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter His courts with praise. The Bible says in uh, the book of Philippians 4.6, Be anxious for nothing. By prayer and request, make your request known to God along with thanksgiving. If your prayer has no thanksgiving tied to it, then uh, it'll never bypass heaven's security system to get before the ears of God. That's why David had such success in his prayer life. He was constantly, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continuously come out of my mouth. Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So it's God's will for you to first and foremost praise Him. Praise Him for what He's done. You know, some people, they rashly enter into God's presence, shaking their fist at Him. How could you let this happen? You're not, you don't have audience with God when you approach God that way. Before, the scripture is very clear, before you can bypass your passport into heaven's gates or through heaven's gates is praise. I'll enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. The Bible says it's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And Hebrews chapter 10 says when you have done the will of God, you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So when you do the will of God in giving him high voltage praise, the Bible says let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Well, I don't have anything to praise him for. Do you have breath? Then you have something to praise him for. 
And when you do that, you're doing the will of God. And when you do the will of God, the scripture says you will receive what he has promised. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in that prison. They prayed, nothing happened. Then they switched on hymns and praise. And the scripture says at midnight, a mighty earthquake came. And the prison foundations were shaken. Everyone's prison doors opened. Everyone's shackles and chains broke off. And there was a mighty deliverance that occurred that day. You'll find out. Hallelujah. Prayer will get God's angels to work and go to work on your case. But when you praise God, not only are the angels of God dispatched, God himself inhabits the praises of his people. Prayer contracts angels to come to your help. Praise contracts God himself. And when God arises, all his enemies are scattered. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Israel was surrounded by Mount Seir, by Ammon, and by the Moabites. Three armies against one tiny little uh, city of Judah. And the scripture says um, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to to, to, um, seek the Lord's help. And they fasted that day. And as they begin to pray, before they ask God for anything, they opened up and listen to, listen to this prayer. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Before they asked God to help them, they opened up by, the, by saying this. Jehoshaphat said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And don't you rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? I call that provocative praise. God, are you not God in heaven? In your hand is there not power and might so that nobody's able to withstand you? Are you not the God of our fathers who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? They provoke God to attend to their case through this through their praise, through their thanksgiving of what God had done and what God is able to do today. And what happened? We all, if you read the story, a prophet began to speak. Tomorrow, go out and set the worship team ahead of you and have them cry out, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And the Bible says the very next day as they obeyed God in doing that and the, the, the players of flutes and harps and the players of instruments went before the, the army. I mean, that's not a strategy of war. Send out your, your worship team. You send out your mighty, mighty, mighty men of valor. You send out your skilled swordsmen. You don't send out a trumpeteer. But the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. And as they did that and began to declare with voices loud and high, the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever, a confusion came into the camp of the enemy and they began to devour and fight against one, one another. And Israel, uh, Judah didn't even have to lift a finger that day. The Bible says they went over to, to, to look over the mountaintop and there they all had, had fallen to the ground. Not one person had escaped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise incapacitates the enemy. And it almost like puts down a countdown for his work for self-destruction. It sets ambush in the camp of the enemy so that no matter what they've plotted against you praise your praise your high voltage praise will disrupt their work and pull the wheels out of pharaoh's chariots causing their self-destruction hallelujah these are just four 
Four prayer secrets that I was able to get through. I have three more. I'll probably do them on Thursday. Lord willing. But four prayer secrets that if you'll implement these four simple things in your life, believe, A, that God is a helper and he desires to intervene. He would not have invited you to pray unless he was willing to answer your prayer. Number two, never let the devil or religious people guilt you into desiring things for your life. Just be happy with what you've got. Yeah, be happy with what you've got. But the Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. Take things. God, God's not withholding things. He set a table before you of good things. Pull, drop your religion. Like someone just wrote, Isaiah Saldivar says, put that in your religious pipe and smoke it. Put that religious reason in your religious pipe and smoke it. Drop it. And start to pull up a table to this, pull up a seat to the table of God and feast. The Bible says, if you are willing and obedient, you will what? You will feast of the goodness of the land. David said, I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. The Bible says God is good to those that are pure in heart. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. And number three, approach God with an understanding of restored righteousness. And number, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not some old sinner. You've been saved. And number four, approach God with praise. And not only approach God with praise, when you're done praying, thank God for the answer ahead of time. Thank God for what he's about to do. Thank God that he's not failing you. Thank God that he's able to do because he's the God of all flesh and there's nothing that's impossible for him. There's nothing that's difficult for him. Thank him that if he can multiply the bread and the fish to feed 5,000, then he's going to feed you. His, your God shall supply all your needs according to your, his riches and glory. Thank him that if he's able to heal death, then he's able to heal that infirmity in your body. Thank him that if he's able to... With one angel destroy an entire army in the Old Testament, 185,000 soldiers. What do you think one angel coming to attend to your case today to, can do for you today? The Bible says, and he will call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will hear him and I will answer him. So I made this broadcast today to encourage you. Pray. Pray. You have not because you ask not. Show me a complainer and I'll show you a gallant failure. Show me a prayer warrior and I'll show you a champion. Who has a flow of unending testimonies that follow him. Goodness and mercy follow him all the days of their life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're watching today, you know, I started off by reading Matthew 6. The Bible says that the Lord's prayer begins with our Father who art in heaven. If you've not made God your Father, then you're not in, God will not hear you. The Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, God would not hear you. God doesn't hear just anybody. God hears those who've been cleansed by the blood, those who, are, who have right standing with him. God hears those who are called his children and not everybody's a child of God. We're all born, as Jesus said, you are of your father the devil. We were, we were all born as children of the devil because of sin. But the Bible says Jesus came to not condemn the world, but to save the world so that we can what? Receive 
forgiveness of sins. God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is like our lawyer before God. And he came and prevent, by his own work at that cross, he presented a case for us so that he, we don't have to sit in guilt anymore. He's wiped away the, the debt that we owed, that we couldn't pay. He nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to that wooden tree. The Bible says, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Jesus took on himself not only sin, but the penalty of sin and the consequence of sin so that we could enter into the blessing that God has for us in this life and then life eternal in the next. So if you're watching right now and you don't know God as your father, don't put this to a latter date, a later date. Don't wait for a more opportune time. There's no more opportune time to make right with God and prepare your spirit before God than today. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day to be saved. If you're watching right now and you want to make that decision, you want to uh, uh, solidify your commitment to the Lord and say, April 27, 2021 is the day I turned from sin and I turned to Christ. It's the day I dropped hands with the devil that only brought me into travail and calamity and trouble and problems and trials. And it's the day I joined hands with Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe that you raised Christ from the dead. I confess Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Where I was weak, make me strong. I repent of my sin. Thank you. That though my sins were red like scarlet, they've now been made white as snow. I thank you that now, my sins are forgiven. I thank you that now I can come before your throne with boldness to receive mercy and find grace to help in whatever I have need of help. I love you, Lord Jesus. Heaven is now my home. Father, God is now my Father. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to go to my website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. I would love for you to fill that form out. I want to get something to you free of charge as a way of blessing you and, and welcoming you into the family of God. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you and until next time.